0: And welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, our series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters shaping the electronic music landscape. My name is Ray Philp, and I'm a reviews editor at Resident Advisor. Chloe has been in dance music for two decades, but she's often seemed like an outsider. A track on her first EP back in 2002 was called I Hate Dancing and another was led by Acoustic Guitar. Releases for labels like B-Pitch Control aligned her for a time with the minimal electro scene, but her music has generally evaded easy reference points. Among Parisians, she's perhaps best known for her residency at Pulp, a club night for gay women at L'Entracte that also helped shape the careers of Jennifer Cardini and Ivan Schmag. In recent years, Chloe has embraced projects away from the dance floor. She performed a Steve Reich piece last year alongside the Bulgarian percussionist Vasilena Serafimova. More recently, she composed the score for the Lydia Terki film Paris La Blanche. I met with Chloe earlier this year to discuss these projects and her forthcoming third album, Endless Revisions. You can find our full archive of exchanges at www.residentadvisor.net and follow us on SoundCloud at ra exchange. The exchange with Chloe is up next. I was listening to the single The Dawn from your new album, which is called Endless Revisions, and that's due out in October. There's a spoken word vocal on the track that's really interesting because I believe it's actually your mother's.
1: Yes, exactly. It's funny to start with my mother. It's like uh, the history. (laughs) But it's true. I started to record her a few years ago. It's just because she was talking about a story she she cannot really speak actually she uh, she has a little problem so i just wanted to uh, to have this recording to have like a material from her i was not sure I, wa- I wanted to use it on a track one day but i just liked her voice i just liked the idea of recording her and keeping something from her so this is really personal somehow of course and then i started to do a track and i thought like this track The Dawn and I start this kind of very repetitive drone and repetitive marimba and I just thought that I thought there was something that needed to be added, more narrative. I didn't want to do any uh, vocal myself but I had all this material from my mom and I just tried a few of them on it and this is how the track was built. You know, you have like two separate elements that has nothing in common. And at one point, then you have the ID, and the ID just pop up. And then you think that what you recorded a few years ago can appear then on the track. So this is how the track was done, actually.
0: <laughs> Did you always envisage this as a dance floor track? It certainly seems uh, like a dance floor track, you know.
1: Well, actually, when I started to do this track, I never really focus on the club or functionality of the track. Uh, sometimes, when I start the track, I think about being more functional because I feel I want to be more functional. But on this track, and particularly on the album, I th- I think it's the it's the only format where I feel you don't have to be club-focused, especially. I mean, I'm part of the electronic music scene since a while. I evolved uh, as a DJ since many years. I, I party a lot, do a lot of DJ parties and play a lot. But I also produce and produce a lot of different stuff and styles, So it's uh, just a way of finding my balance between these two kind of uh, lives and putting everything together. So in this track, I would say it's an in-between. It's not definitely a club-focused track, but it's a track I I played already and that I play sometimes in my sets, but mainly, mostly at the end or something like this. On the EP, there's a remix by Dixon and probably the Dixon remix is more... Club focus is more functional and I usually play more his remix on my on my sets than my own track.
0: One of the things that struck me in a more general sense about your recording career is how often you've collaborated with others. I guess that's been borne out more recently with work you've done outside the electronic sphere. Late last year, for example, you did a project with um, Vasilina Serafimova, the Bulgarian percussionist. And um, that was a really interesting collaboration. Can you give me an idea of how that came together? And um, could you describe what that project was?
1: Well, in general, when a collaboration appears, it's sometimes I just have some nice proposal. Like when I travel, when I DJ, I meet a lot of great talents and great person. And sometimes you have more affinities with some people than others. Actually, you rarely have affinities with people. I mean, you have some, but sometimes it's kind of rare. So when it happens, then sometimes... Because you're an artist, both artists, somehow you want to collaborate and try to find an idea, try to make something together. And then it can be an EP, then it can be DJ together, back to back, or just uh, sharing the night, just the two of you. About this project with Vasilena Serafimova, she's a marimba player. Actually, this was a project that I was uh, some French uh, producer asked us actually the concept was to propose some uh, electronic artists to meet uh, some um, some artists from uh, more from the classical scene and uh, to uh, collaborate on a project for so there was some uh, the project is called Variation and it was made for French uh, program on Culture Box, and uh, so we were asked to do something inspired by Steve Reich, but there were also uh, Jeff Mills, Dubfire, uh, and other artists who collaborated for on other with other artists for uh, for John Coltrane or whoever. So this kind of project can cannot happen like just because I just want. Of course it can, but it's a lot of energy. But here it was a bit easy because uh, we were requested to do this. So I never met Vasilena before and I never heard about her before. And also she didn't know anything about electronic music and she didn't know me at all. We had these moments where we worked together and see, I just brought all my life and all my gears and trying to find what I can, what I can use. Technically, but also how we could build something together. So we finally decided to choose one piece from Steve Reich, which is called Music for 18 Musicians, which is one of the, his uh, greatest pieces. It's normally like probably an hour or a bit more piece, which is very long. And there are 18 musicians and we were only two <laughs> So we had just to get inspired, but we definitely could never try to challenge and make the same thing. So we just get inspired, which means, I mean, Vasilena played the main theme, and then I recorded her live and uh, loop it and put some uh, effects on it in direct, use some synthesizer. I really try to keep it really like a live play so that it's more interesting even for us and because we were not enough prepared also to prepare something very perfect. But I think with electronic music, this is like something you can really do. Maybe this is, has something which is very close to probably jazz or free jazz where you have uh, one gimmick and then uh, the person can play for hours all together just because they go around this gimmick. So somehow with the electronic music, we just trying to keep this, this same idea. Like we have this uh, pattern and just see what we can do around. So this project was, was done, uh, last December and it was recorded and it was thirty minutes. And after this, we got a lot of requests actually to play together. So actually at the moment, we are working on some new material and just adding some uh, new music from our own and trying to find things together because we are really, I think there's something really nice between us and she's a great person, really like working with her. And it's really cool because it's something a little bit outside from what I do usually. Very inspiring actually, very interesting.
0: As someone who's been DJing a long time and then doing a project like that, did drawing on Steve Reich's music feel natural? Because I guess 20th century minimalism seems to be a source of inspiration for quite a lot of DJs and producers.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, there's uh, Steve Reich, Philip Glass. I mean, there's all these minimalism movements from the 70s. is a very big inspiration for electronic music. Probably they were the first to inspire all, all a generation after. They were the first... I was asked before working with Vasilina if I could work, for example, on, uh, with uh, other artists and other um, musicians. But when I saw there was a um, marimba player and Steve Reich, I was thinking, wow, this is cool because it's something new for me. And it's funny because actually I was finishing or working to finish on this other track, The Dawn, that you were mentioning just before, which is like fake marimbas. You know, it's like, okay, I just do with what I have in the, in my studios. But it's like I was trying to reproduce this, uh, these elements. It, it seems I was in the mood of uh, working with a marimba more than a saxophonist or string or whoever. The first time she came to my studio, I asked her if she could add a little bit some of uh, organic marimbas. Like she just played on top of it. So I have little I, I have little moments from Vasilena on the track, like which we can you cannot really hear exactly because my track was already done. But I was happy to add this little organics to make it a bit more living, more dynamic.
0: I guess a big part of your career, besides making music, has been DJing. A portion of our audience will know you for the residency you did at Pulp in Paris for about eight years until the mid-noughties. Can you explain what Pulp was and what your experiences as a DJ there were like during that time?
1: So when I started to DJ in the mid-90s, uh, there were not so many clubs. It was m- more like um, like very small uh, underground scene. There was some race and very, like, maybe two or three clubs but like very underground and it was also with the gay scene there was the queen in paris there were some other parties but it was very 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 small and i remember there was this uh, girls club called the pulp and the Pulp was really the, like this girl club with uh, music that was really like um Mm, not really interesting, like really <laughs> mainstream, but like uh, the worst mainstream you could you could have. But anyway, at one point they just started to invite some. Uh, they just asked some DJ to come on the Thursday, and it was more open to everyone. It was owned by by girls. Only girls were working there, but it was open to everyone on Thursday, and there was some uh, DJs working there and I was one of the of the DJ being a resident there and then this residency started in around 2000 and then it uh, it was until 2007 or 2008 i don't know exactly but i really grew up with the Pearl. and it was at a moment where they, there was not so many parties but there were more and more parties and i think this club was was one of the only club probably with Rex Club that was inviting some uh, interesting artists that was not invited in other parties. There were some uh, great uh, new labels going on. And so I, I was starting to go more and more outside of the country play, to play. My first EP was released in 2002. So after this release, I started to be invited in outside of my country. So I was meeting some other artists. So I invited them to come and play at Pulp and this is how actually slowly but surely you grew you grew up and built something but there were some other artists there also that did uh, also amazing thing and great music but pulp was probably at that time very important because like at that moment there was not so many things around probably today if there was a place like this in paris it would not make sense or it was not it would not be interesting but it was also the only gay club for girls. And today in Paris, I can't tell you if there's one cl- gay club for girls. There are some parties, but they are not. So it would make sense for this. But besides this, they, it was one of the most interesting clubs because it was open and it was for free and there was great talents. And everyone loved to play there because it was so funny and chaotic and whatever. I had really amazing moments there.
0: About 10 years ago, you did a podcast for us, which I think was a, was a recording of a set in Madrid. And I sort of wondered, uh, looking back on that, how much your DJing might have evolved in that 10 years because that period, you know, was in or shortly after your residency at Pulp ended.
1: Well, I don't remember exactly when was recorded this podcast, but as you mentioned, maybe if it was recorded in a club, I don't remember, but... I mean, doing a podcast and playing in a club is very different. Like if you prepare a podcast, then you definitely would not play exactly the same thing you would play in a club because each party is very different and the sound system is very different. It can be a very small club, a big club. It can be very, very different. So it's very challenging to do a podcast somehow. So if it was recorded for a club and then it's the era podcast on um, that you can still hear. It's a bit of a shame because it's uh, probably 10 years ago now, this podcast, and um, which is okay, but I mean, I haven't changed somehow my my vision about um, playing records. I mean, I can think there are really amazing tracks from, uh, from techno, amazing deep house tracks that I really like, beautiful, amazing uh, music, like more electronica. I mean, uh, I really like a lot of music in diverse styles then as a dj you just have all this and depending on the on the place you are depending on the sound system depending on the crowd and all this then you focus and decide what would be the the way you want to go but I never decide to play more. I don't decide that I have a moment where I play more techno or more deep or whatever. It's just like in 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 one set it can be all this, but it can be well done and just from uh the beginning of the set to to the end it can be also only techno. I just make it different each time just not to get bored myself actually. So I'm really open to discover a lot of uh. Of tracks. I, I like to also put some old tracks uh, from uh, great labels I have uh, from the past from French label or German labels. Like recently I got into my collection and I was uh, listening to some more like Perlin label and uh, it's still very nice. I mean, the pro- you can hear that the production was made really with uh, only gears and a lot of them were at that time were not using some um, software. So, And you can really hear it in the, in the way the production is made. And they are really like beautiful tracks. Sometimes I like to mix with some very uh, new tracks that are made like really more functional and more techno. And it's really good. what I like is all these uh, textures to, to be mixed up all together. I think this is what makes the thing interesting just even for myself and to make discover this track also to the people
0: in terms of your own music are you using mostly hardware to produce or are you using a mixture of um, software and hardware to bring your music together
1: Yes, exactly. In my studio, I—I I, I mean, I was always uh, very uh, interested by uh, all synthesizers, like SH one o one. I have my TR seven o seven. I have a TR eight o eight. I have a lot of uh, pedal effects also, like um, but more like for guitars, for example. What I like is that it's small and not so expensive and you can buy a lot of them and just put them in chain or change. And this, and also some, uh, you put some uh, synthesizer sounds uh, inside the, this, uh, these pedals and uh, it's uh, it makes the, the sound interesting and it gives a lot of tec- texture. But at the same time, there are a lot of uh, progress also in the with the technology and they are amazing... Um, softwares that uh, I like also to to mix and I also like re- a lot the modernity of some uh, textures. There are a lot of uh, great things with native instruments, for example, like uh, I like very much this kind of uh, reactor. Uh, even the Fender software that uh, I often use is also giving uh, uh, some... Uh, vintage sound somehow but it's like uh, this uh, new gears like technology can give you some interesting thing from the past too and just mixing all this together is a uh, kind of interesting somehow
0: something i've noticed about your music in general which is otherwise pretty diverse is that you know there's often your voice in there or a guitar or some other live-sounding instrument and I wondered if that stemmed from your background as someone who was into sort of punk and rock music when they were younger.
1: Well, I'm evolving in this uh, in the electronic scene since twenty years. And before, I was uh, playing guitar, but uh, I was also doing other stuff at the same time. I think each person is very like different, and we have all a lot of different influences. It can be a book, it can be a record, it can be a. uh, music, it can be whatever. In my opinion, but this is really personal, this is my my point of view, uh, what I like is that uh, keeping all these influences and see, I find it interesting to just... uh, change and um, like sometimes I'm in the mood of doing like more functional track and I'm really happy doing these tracks but at one point I just feel bored like in the weekend I play uh, for clubs and I really love it and because you have this um, direct moment with the public and it's really amazing to share this moment but then when I'm back in the studio I'm alone I'm not with the public sometimes I'm really inspired by the weekend and I'm really happy to record a track that would be really functional or more techno or whatever But sometimes I feel I just want something more quiet, just to keep it quiet for me. It's just always finding this balance. Then this is also how I record an album. Like I first don't plan to do an album. It's just like I have these tracks I put beside and sometimes I don't find... I don't find it could be interesting to put them on some EPs, so I just keep it besides. And then one day it happened that I have like five tracks, six tracks, and it seems interesting that it seems to be like the beginning of the, an album and also because of the sound. But if I was only doing exactly the same type of music since 20 years, definitely I think I would do something else. I, I need to nourish myself. I need to feel excited by the thing, and this is why also I'm always trying to challenge me a little bit by trying to find more uh, interesting projects in collaborating and trying to find other collaboration also in the performances. Because at the end, it's elements that I will keep on my life, on my personal life, and also there are some interesting aspects that I find that I will keep in the studio. And then I can bring back on, on another project, but it's always, everything is helping each other. Everything is nourishing each other. And this is the interesting thing and keeps me passionate about what I'm doing. And I always try to question always my, my studio, my, my DJ sets and my performances and try to build it always differently and to make it more fun just for me. This is the point.
0: So I guess you're essentially saying that in order to keep yourself refreshed, you're constantly having to question your habits or break out of established patterns and sort of seek new ways of doing things.
1: Yes, exactly. It's like really just to keep it real for me first and to keep this energy. I mean, electronic music is all about energy. Whatever you play, it's about energy. It's about what you give what you share, the way you bring it. Each artist can have the same tracks to play and they can play it completely differently. It's not just a question of one track, it's really like very personal. And this is what I like. When I DJ, I take it as a performance. And at the end, I'm satisfied or not by a set, but at the end, I'm happy. But then I decide that the next time I'd like to play maybe a little bit more techno or a little bit less or whatever.
0: I wanted to cycle back to the album Endless Revisions. A title like that suggests that you've been working on it for a while.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to make it uh, heavy by trying to find this uh, this name. It's a little winkle to this uh, work we we all do in the studio that uh, like you never finish. Uh, you you never know when the track is finished and at one point it's just good to stop and whatever. At the same time I liked the title, <laughs> whatever it means, as a French person. And also, I worked just for the cover. There's uh, this uh, French photographer artist called Noemi Goudal, who I really love uh, the the work, and she did the cover of my uh, my the EP, the Dawn. So there's something, and I I really like in her in her work, and it's about uh, like she's always. Uh, uh, photographing uh, some uh, landscape, and uh, sometimes there's a uh, weird element in the middle, and you don't know re- really where it comes from, but it's kind of an ar- architecture in the landscape. It was making an echo to my work, which was more like uh, the acoustic landscape somehow. So the name was also about these landscapes, and I thought that it was about also the all this space you can have in a track and I always like to work uh, with uh, different levels in a track like you have the stereo but I always imagine what is behind and how you can imagine music and I mean the perception is very personal from one person to another I I really always find it interesting to see how each person uh, feel the music and uh, For all these reasons, I was uh, thinking about uh, this title too.
0: Just before we began recording, we were talking about how your album was slightly more electronic than your previous ones, both of which were for Kill the DJ. Does that reflect the fact that you're playing out regularly or had you made a conscious decision to make it that way?
1: Well, probably I... After these two album release, you know, after one album, you know, then you decide which direction you want to go. Then I started to record this album. And at one point, I mean, I was producing a lot of music outside and producing some also some artists of like this Chilean band called um, Nova Materia. And besides my personal projects helped me to think also about my, my own production. And in a way, I think I was playing a lot with organics elements and I was thinking, okay, I love to play with all these organics elements, but I want to keep it a bit more radical in a way and keep it with this electronic sound I have also first. So probably this is one of the reasons. It's a little bit more electronic, but this is a way of also keeping all the tracks more like a unity. This is something I was building slowly. It's probably not really made conscientiously, but uh, it's, um, uh, it's a decision I was making uh, more and more. I was producing uh, the, the, the album, I guess.
0: Another project you've done that I've found really interesting is a soundtrack for the film Paris La Blanche. And I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about that project and uh, how it came about.
1: Yes, of course. So uh, I was working uh, with the director Lydia Terki. On her previous project, which was uh, some uh, short uh, movies and uh, medium movies, I don't know, like 20 minutes, and she was working. I was always doing her music on her projects and she did some video clips for me. And I mean, there's a collaboration that is interesting. I was already doing some music for some uh, for some uh, movies sometimes or documentaries when I find the project interesting. And if uh, I can bring something interesting, of course. So Lydia, she offered me to to do the music of her first long feature. This movie was um, shot between uh, Algeria and France because it's it's a story between uh, between Algeria and France. A woman who is uh, looking at her husband she hasn't seen since many years, and he lives in France. And uh, there's a big history between Algeria and France from the from the 50s, and it's about uh, like uh, this past uh, colonization and how uh, some uh, people dealt with it after but it's not about immigration it's more about like uh, this love story also about this woman that is uh, trying to find a husband during the whole movie so what i was really touched by this wo- woman that is looking for love just for during the whole movie and so she meets a lot of person during the um, during the movie but the the funny thing is that lydia she she said, "Okay, I, I want you to make the music, but I want you to work with Kabyle uh, musicians." Which I found it a bit uh, weird at the beginning that she was asking me to to do this. I thought I was not the right person because I never did that. You know, I mean, of course it's tra- challenging, but I didn't see the point at the beginning. And this is this was what what she wanted, like really, as it was between France and Algeria. She wanted this mixture of. Occidental and, uh, and uh, Eastern uh, music and see how I can t- deal with it. So she introduced me to some um, kabyle musicians and uh, I discovered a whole world and uh, I listened to a lot of music. I was really helped by one of uh, this musician called Hirdin Mujabi because he's a musician and he knows all the musicians in Paris. And actually I met some other musician and whenever I was saying, oh, Hirdin, and he said, yeah, no, Gerdin. Uh, they all know each other. It's a very small community in uh, in Paris, I guess in France too, but in Paris par- particularly. And I, m- I was making him listen to some music I liked or some uh, I was trying to identify uh, what was the instruments and so he said, oh, this is Zorna, this is, and then showed me stuff on YouTube and I mean, it was a a lot of work, but very interesting and really funny. And at the end, okay, I was inspired by, I had uh, some ideas. I tried to record stuff, but my way before they come. And also uh, Lydia, like she remembered a little melody her father used to play and because he was Kabil. And so she gave me uh, this little idea, and so this was the point of start of the whole uh, music because it was uh, giving the tone somehow too. So I just re-orchestrated and built a track with her first uh, music from her father and then recorded with uh, with all these musicians. So there was a mandol, there was a wood. Uh, Herdin uh, is a percussionist and a singer. I uh, recorded also this... Uh, Instrument called the Zorna, which is a very, very loud, very interesting, but very, very loud. And I just mixed it with some music I did and tried to find this balance. And at the end, this is how the music was made. And so, uh, we decided to release it at the same time of the of the of the movie in April. Uh so it's released under my name like Chloe Tevenin because it's very different from what I do and usually when I do music for for movies I I'm named Chloe Tevenin as it's my name and surname anyway. <laughs> I mean I was uh, I was happy also to release it because actually it's one of my the project I was doing and that I mean doing the music for movies is very, very long and takes a lot of time and it's really interesting but just happy to to release it also and it was released on my label so very different but it's i guess it has a sense somehow
0: were there particular things you learned by working with these musicians that you didn't sort of know before
1: well what i liked i i really discovered like a field where they are very it's all about sharing and um what i understood is like on the contrary of uh, Occidental music, where music is written. And uh, this is how the transmission is made. Like uh, we read uh, a back, uh, back or Mozart. It's like uh, uh, you give it to uh, some instrum- instrumentalist and then they reproduce it. But for Algerian music, they don't write it. They transmit by oral. So they show to another person, what is the music, and then they remember, and then they play around it. I mean, there's this instrument called the oud, the notes are not very precise, the more they play it, and the more they know where to place the fingers, on the contrary, the guitar, for uh, when you play folk music or rock music, then you know exactly where to put the, the notes, because you have the bars but on the woods there's nothing. So it took us a lot of time to record because they were like listening to the theme I wanted. But at the end, they were recording. We were recording, but they were th- searching for the right tone. And this is what I liked. I mean, it was really I, uh, did a great moment of sharing. You ask something, do improvisation. And this is uh, what I really, really enjoyed, especially because when I DJ or when I'm in the studio, it's a process you do alone, even when you DJ, there's the public, but then you play alone. So I was really enthusiastic by playing with all these musicians because it's completely another field. And it was really surprising to see how they were happy to share like this. And I really enjoyed also discovering a whole uh, new music and uh, be interesting into the types of music and there are a lot of uh, movement inside like we have in electronic music, I guess.
0: (laughs) I guess that brings us to talking a little bit about your label, Lumiere Noir. I believe you established that about three years ago. At what point did you decide, I need to start my own label and sort of bring in other artists and push their music as well?
1: Well... The funny thing is that I was starting to do my residence. I mean, I, I, I was resident DJ, also with The Pulp, for many years at Rex Club. Actually, at one point, I changed, changed the name of my night at Rex Club, but I was still the resident and I was still inviting artists. So the only thing I changed was the name of my party and the graphic designer. Which was Lumiere Noir. I think it was just done step by step. I di- I didn't plan to do a label really. It just happened like slowly, because when I travel, when I invite some uh, artists, and because of all this collaboration we were talking about, there are a lot of um, artists that uh, I don't so that I really enjoy the, the music, and I was really happy to just ask them. If uh, at one point we could do like a, or an EP or a remix or whatever. So it's just Lumière Noire a way of putting all these things together. It's just very intuitive and uh, the, the continuity of all this. Because I was uh, meeting uh, some uh, other artists and because I just had some great tracks that I really liked. Usually like I was always sending to some friends who had labels but at one point sometimes... I mean, as a DJ you always you always have this struggle where you want to share music with the people but at the same time there are a lot of music you want to keep for yourself because you like it so much. <laughs> and there's this point where okay, doing a label is a way of keeping this track for me, like keeping you know, there's something very selfish also at the same time. So I like this was the also like the continuity of all this uh this thing with uh the DJing and uh um, and discovering tracks.
0: Is that almost like a protective thing? Where if you've got a song or something that's so precious and so personal to you that maybe giving it away to some label might compromise it in some way?
1: Well, somehow it's a way of also building my own thing for from, like, from my own. Um, there are some labels I really like. And there are some labels I don't like. And sometimes there are amazing tracks suddenly that appears in some labels we would never expect. In a way... I mean, this is our job. As a DJ, we always search in uh, labels. And I always try to find things, even in some labels, I usually don't like so much because sometimes you have surprises. So in a way, doing the label is just my own selection of what I would give as a DJ. This selection I find in the different labels, but it's before the process of doing the label. It's just after when the artist has finished his track. And also because I have a lot of friends, art artists, producers and DJs that sends me some music and they just, just to have a feedback. I mean, sometimes I was always, I do that myself with some friends with my own music just because you need the feedback. And so sometimes I was hearing some m- amazing music. And so I just wanted to release it myself. I don't have any other words. It's just not, there's no perspective, like commercial perspective perspective or whatever but it's just like i want to release it so it's just a natural process you know it's but it it has something to do probably with this this selfish thing with the dj thing where you're selecting some music from uh, from everywhere and that you want to play that you feel that it's yourself but you at the same time you're sharing with the public It's um, an interesting process that happens inside your your mind.
0: (laughs) I looked at your recent gigs this year and I see that you've played at Robert Johnson and Panorama Bar. But on top of that, you've also been doing regular gigs at Rex Club. So I guess the question I'd like to ask is whether DJing for a place that you visit occasionally versus a place that you DJ at all the time requires a different sort of preparation.
1: Yes, actually, I mean, if you play, like, for example, I have my residency at Rex Club since many years. And usually when I invite DJs, if it's my night, I do the warm up. I like to introduce it because I give the tone also of the night. And whereas if I I play at Panorama Bar or Robert Johnson, I mean, Robert Johnson is also a particular thing, but Panorama Bar, for example, then it's more like you play for four hours, which is great because normally you play for two hours, which I think is very, very short, (laughs) but it's more like kind of peak time. And it's also amazing. What I like is that to play like the beginning or to play at the end or to play in the middle, then it's uh, inspiring. And then you give something always different, but it's really, really inspiring. Robert Johnson is something a bit different too because I was a resident DJ there for many, many years. I did the first mixed CD of the series when the label started after the Playhouse Breakdown live at Robert Johnson. And I was like really one of the DJ playing there always. And there's this thing where you share the night with one artist or another, but you know when it starts, but you never know when it finishes. So ending like precise ending so it can end very very late but what i like is that you can play like for example two times like you you can play at the real beginning then you can play really later at five o'clock until nine o'clock or you can play from three until nine it's really free this is what i like i mean like the clubs you mentioned are three clubs that i've very different, but that have very strong identities and that are very interesting because of these versatilities. Whereas in other clubs, usually you play two hours set and I'm booked for two hours and it's or three hours, which is also great. But what I like is also to be challenged in this other kind of clubs too.
0: What kind of trajectory would you be able to go in if you were to play at a place that would let you have this sort of longer set time? that you wouldn't be able to have if you were only playing like a two-hour set, say?
1: Well, uh, I think I would play all the tracks I really like uh, at the moment, but I would. I always try to go also in my old record collections. I'm always looking for some music, but when I'm saying I'm always looking for some music, I'm not focused only in new music. I always go in my old, very old collection and always like to pick up some old st- Music from labels I uh, that was very uh, important to me, and try to make at uh, the track in my set. I always try to find this balance, and to I can also of course play with only new music, which is great too, but. Sometimes when I hear a track, it makes me think about a track from four years ago or ten years ago or six months ago. So when I'm playing, I'm always thinking about this, like what I'm going to play next, but it's always like, oh, I have some tracks that I I remember, like that was released a year ago or five years ago. So the job is always to make it easy to find when you're playing. So there's always a good, a very important preparation before not to get lost because when you play, it's very direct, very intuitive. So I just try to not lose too much time trying to find the tracks because this is a bit tricky sometimes. I remember when I would used to play with vinyls, then you have a box or two, which is very heavy too. but let's say one. <laughs> and I mean, you have like, a, I don't know, like 60... 60 vinyls or I don't know how much, but at least it's limited. I also used to like this limited thing. Like you, you, you go away with only a limited uh, selection, which makes you the thing challenging. So you prepare a selection of how many tracks, whatever. And then after with you, you, you you, play with this track Today, a USB stick with uh, the peony and all this uh, thing, you can have uh, a lot of lot of music, and uh, so I still sometimes bring some vinyls too because there are a lot of unreleased music too with vinyls. But I try to encode them also because sometimes it's just easier, you know, for the technical whatever. Because today sometimes there are just also some places where they they are not decks anymore or whatever. <laughs>
0: I guess people think of Chloe and they think, you know, you have lots of different facets. There's your music, your DJing and these other projects we've just discussed. If someone didn't know about you as an artist and they wanted some kind of introduction into uh, what you do, is there a particular record or mix CD or something else through which they're best placed to sort of get to know what you're about?
1: Yeah, it's always difficult to describe myself with uh, one uh, one release or one word, but because like uh, I have some uh, fr- that some people that know me only as DJ, for example, or some people that only know me because of my albums, or some people just know me because of one remix that was important to them, and I think somehow this is what I like, <laughs> because I don't have the choice at the end. My music, like for example, if I tell you, okay, my album is electronic, but it's definitely not my DJ set because in my DJ set, I make it more functional. But somehow, um, electronic music goes into some other fields that are not made for clubs. Even so you can find some, some tracks that could be played probably in some clubs. But what I like is also this versatility if uh, a person likes my DJ sets and if they are interesting, probably they would go a bit further and see that I do some EPs, that I do some remixes, and that I, I I do my albums. Some people could not like my albums and could like just my remixes. Whatever it's, this is the game, and which I totally accept. But um I don't have really one release. Probably today, this release, the dawn. As it's the most uh, current one and that it was released recently, would be the more representative because it's really this in between thing between uh, DJing. Uh, the tempo is mo- mostly like it's one hundred and twenty, so it's more like clubby, but at the same time it's not a track you would definitely play as DJ, but you could play. And the way it's it's produced and what I gave put in the track would be more personal and, I don't know, probably this track, I would say.